to see you. We met one of your uh, school friends uh, today, Rabbi Sachs, was here. Well, he said he went to Yeshiva with you. Yeah, four school and seven years ago. <laughs> funny how it uh, comes at the same time because yesterday my son told me he was on a, a call with somebody and they said are you uh, Yaakov Van's uh, son? Are you related to Yaakov Van's father? He also went to school. It's funny to get two guys wow. back to back yeah, today exactly. uh, 40 years ago yeah. or for more than 40 years ago. Okay. Uh, Amita had mentioned regarding uh, Bekas Kohanim that uh, the Bekas Kohanim it's interesting, the um, Birkas Kohanim, how, uh, there's one letter that's not in Birkas Kohanim. Which letter? There's one letter that's not in Birkas Kohanim. So, uh, the letter Samach is not there. The letter Samach is not there. So I saw, I'm sure you can find uh, many explanations for this. But I saw one idea that the reason that Samach is not there is because Samach is round, right? If you want spiritual ascension, if you're stuck in the circle, you're not going anywhere. You just keep going over the same things, not going anywhere, right? It, the falling itself, right? We don't like to fall. We don't like to uh, go down, but this famous line, were not that I fell down, I never would have gotten up. Right? And so often in life, right, that sometimes falling is good. Right? Sometimes falling is good. If the result is good, positive, then that is positive. Now, we don't ask to fall. Right? We don't want to fall. But sometimes when we fall, we, and we're able to catch ourselves, not a free fall, so then you end up climbing to places that you couldn't. And th that's true also in just, just bracha. I had several people in the last few days were in a crisis situation, a terrible, very, very difficult situation, right? Different people. Uh, one person had a, a, an apartment. They were moving into a new apartment, different apartment. They had already, they had agreed, everybody agreed on it. Okay, fine. They had, therefore, they went to the landlord and signed away the apartment that they were in. They gave it away to other people. And everybody was happy. Everything was good. The only problem was is that the new landlord backed out. There's three days to go. Three days to go, the person backed out, whatever the legal issues are, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> as I told them when they were discussing with me, I said, you could sue them today till tomorrow. It ain't going to matter because in three days, you're not going to have a roof over your head. So you're going to have to do something, man. Forget about the lawsuit. Lawsuits are later. Right? And it was a very difficult situation. And it was three, three difficult days. But in the end, they found an apartment, a different one, which was far better. Far better. Just, you know, and here they, they were happy with what they had. They were very happy. Uh, but it had, had had real drawbacks, but... They took it, it was good. But I said, sometimes you have. Like Nafalti, like Kamti. Like Nafalti, like Kamti. Right? I had another person also called me the same situation. The person backed out on them. Right? Forced them. Also, without a, they had more time. They had a month. 
right? But also found something better. So, so you know, when, when it happened, I remember, you know, the person is, you know, the crying, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? And, uh, you know, God sometimes sends the bracha through the filo, which we think is the, is the down, is really also is the up. So in spirituality, you don't want to get caught, right? And that's really is, is that uh, also in, in the physical, right? that's what, where bitachon comes in. Bitachon comes in is, is that bitachon doesn't mean it's going to work the way we want it. Bitachon is, is that God is there for us however it's going to work. And we have to be some, and a person should daven that it works smoothly. That's you're allowed to daven. You should daven. That's how we, that's the whole purpose of prayer. Prayer is that things should go smoothly. Faith is that we trust in God even when it doesn't go smoothly. That, that's the two aspects. Um, but funny enough, how many letters are there? 20. How many letters are there in, in, in uh, Birkat Kwanim? Take a guess. If it's irony, say, what, what number must it be? 613. 60. Very good. You're close. <laughs> right. Uh, 60. There are 60 letters. Samach is 60. So it's interesting. The number is, is, is 60. So I don't know uh, what's the explanation of that. that that's an uh, interesting, uh, interesting, you know, uh, point. You know, why it should be like that. So that's uh, something to uh, point to ponder. Think about why why is it uh, why is it like that? The the parsha of Sota, Mita mentioned in in the lesson, right? The whole parsha of Sota is a question. Is well, what was this whole idea with the Sota? So somebody once came to me and was very upset. They didn't like this parsha of Sota. It seems like God is always picking on the woman, right? So, uh, how do you understand the Parsha of Sota? Right. So, the truth is, is that if you look really at the details of the Parsha, it's, it's the opposite. The purpose of the Parsha of Sota is, It's really trying to get, the husband is jealous. He has a burning jealousy, and therefore, based on the jealousy, he's going to divorce his wife. So, the Torah could say, you know, God, you know, we speak, we learn Chavetz Chaim, we all learn Chavetz Chaim, we all learn Chavetz Chaim, but we still uh, do what we're going to do. <laughs> so God realized, uh, you know, it could be the guy is wrong, he's suspecting her wrong, but at the end of the day, he's not going to, uh, he can't get past it. And therefore the Torah gives us a way, an artificial, if you will, or magical, uh, whatever word you want to fill in, uh, in order to get past this, uh, this jealousy, this burning anger. And that's the explanation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows himself, his name to be erased, right? Which is a denigration to God's honor. We know that you can't erase God's name. We go, we forget about erasing God's name. Even saying God's name in vain uh, made it to the uh, Ten Commandments, right? So uh, surely to erase God's name, right, would be a, um, is a terrible sin, right? One is not allowed. There's questions, what do you do? If um, somebody writes, um, some crackpot writes the name of God on a building, right? See, we have holy, you know, in America, graffiti is vulgar, right? But when you get somebody in Israel, right, you get one of these people that are number crackpots, what do they spray paint? They spray paint God's name, right? So what do you do? <laughs> what do you do then? It's a problem. It's a, it's a problem. What do you do if they spray paint God's name all over a wall? So that's an issue. 
So, uh, so you're not allowed to erase Hashem's name. And nonetheless, Kedei Lahatel Shalom, right? Kedei Lahatel Shalom. God says that you should erase my name. Better that you erase my name. And the, the Gemara brings down a story. The Gemara brings down a story. I think it's Rabbi Meir. I apologize if I'm wrong. Right, one of the, uh, that uh, that he taught something, and the wife uh, must they must have given a class to women, and uh, she came home and told it to her husband, and uh, the husband didn't like that halacha very much, and uh, he said, "I'm not going. I'm going to divorce you. I'm not going to be with you until you spit in the eye of Rabbi Meir." So she came to Rabbi Meir, the great Rabbi Meir, and she was nervous, right? And uh, he chapped in his brilliance. He, uh, he put two and two together. He understood the whole problem. She didn't really verbalize it, it seems to me more. But he understood the situation. So he told her, he says, I have um, something in my eye. Can you spit in my eye in order to allow it? Uh, that'll help uh, the irritation. So it says that and even though he was the greatest rabbi of the t- from the greatest of the time, but nonetheless he felt that it was better that he be denigrated in order to allow shalom. I was at a wedding. I was at a wedding a number of years ago. And they were supposed to sign the rabbi that was officiating, so I was right there, nearby. So... Uh, the uh, they had agreed and worked out that there would be a, a prenup. A prenup. Uh, one of the parties was rather wealthy, so therefore they wanted a prenup. Besides, for they wanted a halachic prenup and uh, all of these things that were, which is not not a halachic problem, but one of the very strong prenup. So I saw there was a lot of tension going on over there. So the. Situation was is that the the father of the uh, bride was going bananas because uh, the rabbi uh, didn't have the prenup. They were supposed to sign the prenup at the wedding. The rabbi didn't have the prenup, which was a little bit puzzling to me because the rabbi had drafted the prenup. I, I was somewhat involved. The rabbi had drafted the prenup four weeks ago, so I didn't understand what was the issue. And uh, what happened was that uh, so he had sent the prenup to the wife a number of weeks ago, and the wife had not, uh, she dropped the ball. She acknowledged she got it. She was supposed to have it all signed and legalized, and she had dropped the ball. She never took care of it. She had never taken care of it. The husband, who was the crackpot, very wealthy crackpot, he didn't know. It was obvious that, I, I could tell from the whole situation, he didn't know that the wife had gotten the email and that the lawyer, all that was supposed to be taken care of through her. And the rabbi had sent it to them, he acknowledged it, so he didn't pursue it because it wasn't, it wasn't his to do. So the man went ballistic at the, at the wedding and the, the rabbi, to his credit, he did not tell the husband uh, what happened? And there was no printer. It was a difficult situation, very very difficult situation, right? And he, he didn't tell. And the, the rabbi was the the father was so meshugin that he wouldn't let the rabbi marry him. He had to get there was another senior rabbi that was there, and the other senior rabbi we orchestrated everything, right? Uh, but it was just such a tense situation. But all 
really shocked. Your wife dropped the ball. Go call your lawyer and the wife. You're nothing to do with me. The rabbi should have said, but he didn't because he didn't want it. This is Gemara. He didn't want to cause shalom bias between the husband and the wife. So he just took it like he was like he dropped the ball. Right, once he, he, he understood the situation. So this is the idea, lahatul shalom. Right, so, you know, when we talk about uh, this idea of shalom, is uh, no, God allows his name to erase. Rabbi Meir allows himself to be embarrassed. This rabbi, right, allowed himself to take a hit in front of everybody. It was a better, you know, it was in front of, I was watching the situation. It was in front of everybody. But he said, that, you know, better I take the hit than to cause a lack of shalom, by, cause friction between a husband and wife. Right, especially in such a ballistic, volatile situation. Right, it's okay. All right, so, you know, uh, be. And uh, so that's the idea, right? So these are pragmatic. These are real things, real halachot that all of us should learn to integrate into our lives, how important shalom is. Right, so today, unfortunately, people don't care about shalom. But as we say, that's the foundation of everything. And not only should we do we have to care about it, we have to sacrifice for it. Yeah.